Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. The cough is still lingering, but I think I've been pretty good at turning my head away from the mic whenever that happens. Hopefully I haven't blown anybody's eardrums out, so just wanted to apologize in advance for that, but otherwise I'm feeling great, so let's jump in and see what we got this week. First up is just a quick heads up that the X-Station optical drive emulator is now also available from the UK seller Retro Gamer Stuff. Um, Normally, I probably wouldn't do a post just about this, but the X-Station has been selling like crazy, and I think a lot of people in Europe wanted a second option other than just going direct from Castlevania. So both of the links are right here in uh, Vanessa's post, and if you're in the the UK, in the K, if you're in the UK and uh, looking for an X-Station, you might want to check into that now because it just might save you a whole bunch of tax and shipping costs and stuff. Pre-orders for the new N64 Digital are now opening this Friday, May 7th, so two days from when this goes live. And this is the N64 HDMI board from PixelFX, which is Dan and Kristoff, the makers of the DC Digital and the PS1 Digital, as well as Woozle, the maker of the GBA Consoleizer. So I have a feeling that this team is going to come up with some pretty amazing stuff. Uh, And I guess I would expect the same awesome performance and features of both of the previous HDMI mods mixed in with some of Woozle's new additions to the team. Um, It is kind of funny that pre-orders are opening before any review units or or pre-reviews are out or anything like that. But I think this team has absolutely had an entire body of work that speaks for itself. So if you don't already own an HDMI mod for your N64 and you were looking to pick one up, you could be completely confident that this is something that's going to be great. If you already own an Ultra HDMI and you were wondering if this is worth upgrading to, um, I would hold off then and just wait for reviews to come in. And I'm not being coy about that. I actually haven't seen one myself yet, so I'm really looking forward to. uh, And hopefully this thing would have some features that would push things over the edge for people that were on the fence about, should I HDMI mod? Should I upgrade? Um, It's my personal opinion that just just having one available uh, and being able to ask support questions, that alone would make this worth it for anybody who was waiting on a mod at all. Uh, sorry for the little subtle dig there, but it is the honest truth based on what four or five years of, of history. So I gotta just, you know, I try to always be a hundred percent positive, but you gotta call it like you see it, you know? Uh, so if you were waiting for an HDMI mod, this is the one. If you're debating whether to upgrade or not, kind of hold off and wait. And hopefully I should have something for you as soon as review units go out, or at least are available for purchase, because I'm definitely buying one of these as a gift for my brother. I have a feeling he was going to love it. 
Okay, so this next post was written out of frustration, but I really do mean it 99% positive. Um, there's nothing wrong with SCART, and that is directed to beginners or maybe people who have been in the scene shortly and have been accidentally misled or something like that. But uh, I do want to always make sure that I take the time to go back and talk about things in a way that anybody entering the scene can understand. And I'm often guilty of forgetting that. I often jump into a post or something and start talking as if people already had the beginner knowledge to get themselves up to that point. So I wanted to take the time to to just explain to newcomers and hopefully to people who are already totally in the scene who might want to also explain to newcomers why there's so much craziness around SCART. Um, the good side of things, if you have a cable that's well built, you now have one cable that contains audio and video and could contain either composite video or component video in certain situations, but mostly for retro gaming use, you can get yourself really high quality RGB output of it. Um, and there are very confusing things to worry about, like why are some SCART devices directional and what is sync and why do I have to worry about voltage at all? And those are legitimate questions, but if you're buying reputable cables and reputable SCART equipment, you mostly don't even need to ask those questions. The most confusing thing is, you know, do I want Luma sync or composite video sync for PlayStation cables? Just grab Luma unless you otherwise have a specific need for it, by the way. But most of the most of the time nowadays, people should walk right into it without having too much trouble. But I did want to address the downsides of it just for people who weren't quite clear as to why uh, people had been frustrated with SCART. And I think the number one thing is that console manufacturers realized that probably 1% of the people buying their consoles in the 80s and 90s were only going to use RGB. Some use cases are, are different. So all of the actuallys talking about France, you could just hold your posts for somebody else's video. But for the most part, it's going to be a really small percentage of people using RGB. So what was their choice? Was their choice to put an extra 15 to maybe 30 cents worth of components on the motherboard to handle that? Or do they just add those components to the SCART cable for people that did want RGB support? And if you think about it, when you're making 20 million consoles, 15 cents starts to add up a lot. And that's a huge dent in your overall profit. So I do think that console manufacturers made the right move deciding to put some of the RGB components in the cable. But that means that every cable that ever has, let's say, a Genesis 2 end on it should also have those cables. Otherwise, things could go wrong, which is why, of course, you know, I, I just said, make sure you get it from reputable sellers and stuff like that. And the other side of things is, you know, in the early 2000s, there were lots of hobbyists that were making projects that used a SCART cable, but didn't adhere to any SCART standards because it didn't matter. There was only a very small handful of people using this stuff, and they probably didn't expect that there would be this resurgence of retro gaming popularity. So you have a bunch of old mods that maybe use what looks like a Genesis 2 cable, but it's actually a pass-through cable, where as long as it's properly labeled, only use with my Supergun mod, only use with this Intellivision mod or something, it'll be totally fine. It's just the moment you take that cable and plug it into a real Genesis 2, you have some issues. So it gets frustrating. And on top of that, you know, there's always the very few, when you talk about how many people use SCART, there's actually very few bad modders out there or bad component makers who will 
do something like ship a super gun that outputs improper voltage on all the scarp pins and then blame everybody else when their equipment fries, not the fact that it's not properly outputting voltage on those pins. So that's what, that's what kind of led people. I believe it was Voltar who first coined the phrase shart on a retro roundtable podcast. Um, and it's understandable why people would be frustrated with that. You know, why a modder would be, would livid when they just bent over backwards making sure their mod is done perfect and they send it back to the customer and the customer goes, yeah, this thing doesn't work. You screwed up and they get everything back and find out it was a $2 AliExpress cable, you know, that was the cause of the problem. And especially even for hardware developers, who just go through all these different loops to make sure that your their equipment is as robust as possible and as compatible as could be, just to have people say, you know, I, I plugged a mod in that somebody glued together in 2003 and it doesn't work. Your scaler is crap. So I do 100% get the frustration. Um, I would just like to, to politely ask all of you experts out there to realize that people do take your word seriously. Uh, and not everybody's going to realize that you're joking. And I am not wagging a finger at this. I am 100% guilty. I think my worst offense was when Renee and I made that silly video about cartridge voltage, making fun of the know-it-alls who claimed that they were experts who never opened up an electronics book in their life. Uh, and unfortunately, when I made that, I had a very small following and everybody got the joke. As my following grew, people started to interpret that as we were making fun of cartridge or uh, flash cart manufacturers, which we really weren't. Uh, and in everybody else's defense, how would you know that we weren't unless you were in on the joke from the beginning? So uh, I screwed up. You know, I've done it many times. I'm not, I'm not saying you experts screwed up. I'm just saying just keep in mind that people do take your opinion seriously. So, you know, if you do vent about SCART, maybe just take a moment to make sure people know that you're talking about venting about improperly built SCART stuff. Uh, and it isn't the best format for everybody. Um, there are totally, uh, like, the best scenario I could describe, let's say you found a consumer-grade TV uh, CRT with component video inputs, you have an OSSC or a RetroTINK product, so just get a whole bunch of HD retrovision cables and a G-Comp switch. You'd never need to touch SCART. There's no need for that. Or if you have some crazy 32-input Extron crosspoint, you go all BNC or another custom setup where you go D-Sub, there's really no right answer. The only wrong answer is improperly built junk. So just stay away. If something seems too good to be true, if there's a $2 cable listed on eBay, maybe don't use that one. Maybe realize there's probably a reason that most other cable manufacturers charge between 20 and 60 depending on features and quality of cable and stuff like that so you know i do uh i guess i i need to apologize at least at least a little bit for the the post being somewhat frustrated in nature i mean the opening line is i can't believe i'm forced to write something like this but we're living in an age where misinformation spreads like herpes i probably could have been more polite about that but it is a hundred percent true and so is the rest of the post and I really did mean the outcome of that to be positive. It's just sometimes it's frustrating. You know, I run into to 20 people in a row that are like, oh, you know, why did I invest in this SCART stuff that you that you told me I should invest in when it's just SHART and I should have gotten something else? Like, no, that's it's not it. So maybe if you're hearing people vent on forums or social media, take an extra minute to ask why they're venting as well. You know, we could all do better with this stuff, but SCART's a good format as long as you buy the right equipment for it. Um, and, uh, you know, I really hope this came off 99% positive. And, uh, you know, I just got to be honest about the rest of the stuff. 
The emulators Dolphin and MGBA both got some pretty substantial updates that allow for emulation of the link cable setup. So just a little background, Dolphin is a GameCube emulator as well as Wii and a bunch of other awesome things, and MGBA is a Game Boy Advance emulator, both software emulation to run on uh, different formats, and now you could link the two together on the same PC as if it was an actual Game Boy Advance with a link cable plugged into a real game. GameCube, which is super impressive because it is incredibly hard to emulate one console, let alone two on two different emulators and have them connect to each other. So, uh, you know, right now it's just kind of neat that you could do it. Uh, there's a video attached here where you could see different games in use and how they work and stuff like that. But it, I think this is probably going to lead to some other really cool things and some integration because it's just, uh, you know, anybody that that's ever tried the Game Game Boy Advance Link Cable knows that there's some neat things you could do with it. It was a little gimmicky, but it was also kind of fun. But I think this just opens the door for some other very cool additions uh, for certain games to be added through Dolphin. So, and, you know, I'm always a giant, giant fan of software emulation. I get so offended when people misrepresent it. Uh, and, you know, not every scenario is best for emulation and sometimes emulation is the better choice and this is certainly one of them where it's at the very least worth checking out if you're into this stuff so uh, check out dan's post for more info but it's pretty exciting that just to think that you could now connect two consoles you know virtually via emulation like this and, and have it work so good Nostalgia Nerd just released a video detailing how the game K. Krieger, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, uh, was able to be an FPS that fit into 96k of storage space. Um, and it's pretty interesting. You know, I don't want to spoil it too much, but basically most of the large assets of the game got generated when you started the game. So while this isn't something that, you know, you would need to do to make a modern game or anything like that, I absolutely love and have always been fascinated with scenarios in which um, developers have a very limited set of tools that they're able to work with and some constraints that they're stuck into that they have to figure out how to use their or how to make their creation within those constraints. Um, and I think this is just a perfect example of that. So uh, if you want to see how a pretty awesome demo scene style game was was made like this, definitely check out the video. The RetroTink 5X video launched. Uh, the product sold out right away, but there is more stock coming, so don't worry. It's coming fairly soon, I think, uh, and it's just an absolutely awesome product. Please, please check out the video. Um, the first six minutes would be all you really need to know if you just want to buy a scaler and go from there, but the rest of the video, while it's long, really puts everything else into perspective. And if you're seriously considering one, even if you're the type of person that doesn't normally care about the extra details, I would watch this just because maybe out of the 25 things I talk about, there's probably two that you're going to go, oh, wow, that, you know, that's definitely something I need to think about, even though I normally don't like tweaking my stuff. So uh, please give it a watch. As always, I just want to remind everybody very politely that just because a new generation of scalers is being released doesn't make your old scaler obsolete. The OSSC is still amazing. All of the other RetroTink products still do a great job. Uh, the Framemeister is still good. I just wouldn't recommend anybody pay any of the scalper prices for it nowadays because the Tink 5X is better in most scenarios. And, um, you know, it's it did its job 10 years ago better than anything else on the market. But we're kind of two generations past that now. 
That being said, anybody who's selling a Framemeister cheap, please let me know just because I would love to have one here for B-roll shots and basic comparisons. But I certainly wouldn't recommend going out and buying one now, uh, you know, with all the other options out there. But if you already own one, keep it unless you there's a feature about the RetroTINK 5X that you really must have over anything the Framemeister has. And you know, let me know if, you, if you're willing to sell it cheap. Um, the only things about the video, there were a couple of mistakes. I do owe some apologies. First, I had a couple of shots in 1440p uh, that were stretched to widescreen because I just found out last night around midnight when I was messing around with something that my computer monitor, you need to disable something, then then go in and, and change the input name to something else before you get aspect ratio control. That was weird and embarrassing, but hopefully I'll just be able to upgrade my um, any one of my regular TVs to accept 1440p. Also, uh, definitely wanted to apologize for making a video capture mistake. Those link shots towards the end, the still pictures were spot on, um, but the something ended up going wrong with my video capture setup, which has been working fine for over a year now. So I don't know if a Windows update messed with something, if a background update of a codec messed with something, I have no clue. I'd really love multiple PCs, you know, one not even connected to the internet just for capture, so I never have to worry about settings changing, and then another PC for everything else. But um, I, I did, this is actually one of the many reasons why I always throw in still pics because it's, you know, it's a lot harder to mess up a still video or a still picture capture from like the data path vision window than it is the rest of these things. Um, so, you know, for people with eagle eye that spotted that, I guess people were pretty upset. All I could tell you is I, I tried my absolute best. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you just run out of time, right? Like I can't, I think this video took 60 hours start to finish, but cause I was sick and wasn't able to work on stuff. I did it all last week on top of all of the other work that I do. So I get, I get that you were upset that I messed up, but you got to put that into consideration too. Um, also a big shout out to extremes and to dark Aries for helping me figure out exactly what went wrong and at what step, because uh, I do try to get better with every one of these videos. And barring bumps in the road that I have no control over, I really feel like I have gotten a lot more accurate with my captures. But I'm definitely going to pay attention from now on and make sure, you know, I, I think we determined a good workflow for me that I could I could do something where, in the case of a comparison shot, I could make sure they're more accurate. I I'll be honest, if I'm just like, hey, here's some footage of something cool as B-roll while I talk about something else, I probably am not going to spend hours and hours and hours getting flawless captures i'd like to but you know uh, for stuff like comparison shots that is important and i know a lot of people look to these videos as as proof as to you know different things and how these different processors work so uh, no it was not a conspiracy to mislead you especially when the, the perfect still shot was right after it but it was a mistake and i'm very sorry about that so uh, just wanted to kind of explain all this stuff uh, probably rambled too long but please watch the video because it absolutely puts everything into perspective of what you would need to know. And also in the main post here, I have embedded other people's reviews and I will continue to update it. Fudo did an amazing written post on his website. No shock there. Anybody that's been following him for a while. Uh, Beast went through and tested a ton of random arcade boards. It was very cool to see PGM working without that sync issue I run into on actual CRTs. And Scarlet Sprites did another really great video highlighting its basic use and some uh, specific use cases in arcade boards as well so overall it's an awesome product i'll have more info on it soon uh just keeping people up to date with 
you know, stock levels and any firmware updates or anything like that. And I'll probably have a, a firmware video coming up soon just to help people with that as well. So, uh, you know, really hope you enjoyed the video. Sorry for any of the mistakes. And, uh, you know, as always, um, you know, if you have any questions, comment it on the video and I'll try my best to answer them all. Dan Mons just did a benchmark test of MAME running on different Raspberry Pi versions and did an absolutely awesome write-up detailing exactly what all the differences were. Um, beginner to intermediate, please read the post on RetroRGB. He did an awesome job summarizing it for, for anybody with just the slightest interest in this stuff could get a true sense of what it is that he did. Um, if you're more on the expert side, you might want to just jump directly to his website, stickfreaks.com, and jump right into the gritty details. But basically, Dan kind went through and proved that newer Raspberry Pis, so the four, especially overclocked, can get some really, really good performance on arcade games via MAME and uh, emulation. So, you know, this was a debate for a long time is, you know, is a Raspberry Pi good enough for MAME? And Raspberry Pi 1 and 2... Eh. <laughs> Once you got into the Raspberry Pi 3, it got better, but jumping up to the 4, or if you did some overclocking, you get some really good results. Um, in a lot of games, you get a really solid feel that, yeah, this is going to be more than a good enough experience you know, in an arcade machine running on a CRT, you know, this is going to be 95 to 99% of the way there of getting a really great arcade feel to it. Um, you know, it, some, not every game is going to be perfect, of course, but I just, I, I really love stuff like this because I'm a nerd and I like benchmark tests, but it also gives people a sense of how certain games could really run well. And maybe others, you might still want to look to original hardware or FPGA emulation or stuff like that. But uh, just such a really helpful benchmark test and really great to put things into perspective. So, you know, if you're into MAME and arcade gaming and you want to use a Raspberry Pi, definitely check out this post and kind of skim through the benchmark results and get a feel if maybe your favorite games would be a good choice for this or maybe not. Um, but, you know, I have that mini Mr that I've been using and I've been trying to figure out a way to add a switch to put in a Raspberry Pi just to be able to play games that I wouldn't be able to play now on uh, on Mr. And it's really cool to know that, uh, you know, to, to reinforce what I kind of already felt in that the newer Raspberry Pis do a very good job and some of my favorite games would be more than good enough being played that way. There are some updates to the Genesis homebrew game Demons of Astaborg. First, the game should be coming this June, and it's available to pre-order now as a physical copy for around $80, or you'll be able to buy a digital copy, just the ROM for a Genesis ROM cart, for around $20, and it should also be released on the Switch and on Steam as well. Uh, the game is kind of an action platformer with uh, Metroidvania elements in it. I kind of hate that word, but it is a decent way to describe it. And from the screenshots, it looks really, really cool. Um, I don't I don't think I ever played the demo because I wanted to just kind of wait until it was finished and, and get a final sense of it. Um, you know, it's weird. Sometimes I want to play the demo, sometimes I don't. But this, I get the impression that this is the type of game I'm going to want to buy a physical version of plug the real cart into a Genesis on, on a TV and, and just sit down and treat it as if it were a brand new game in the 90s that I were playing. There's no right or wrong way to do this. I'm just saying that because I think it's neat that a game that looks like it's something I would have loved as a kid and still like the style of game today is now available for the Genesis. Um, of course, you know, no one, I don't think there's any playthroughs of it yet or anything like that other than the demo. So we'll see if the game holds up to the hype. 
but it looks like it will. Uh, so at the very least, if you're interested, um, you know, wait for some reviews to come out, especially with the digital copies. It's not like a digital copy is going to sell out. But if you're a collector and you really want what looks to be a pretty awesome new Genesis game on cart, uh, you might want to pick up one of the complete cart versions right from their website. So check out Ray's post for more info. And uh, if you like the game, hopefully we'll all get a chance. Or if you're interested in the game, hopefully we'll all get a chance to play it in about a month. A new firmware was recently posted for the MemCard Pro, which is a memory card for PlayStation 1 games that runs off a micro SD card and has a ton of new options. Uh, this latest option is uh, browser support so that you could connect your MemCard Pro to your Wi-Fi and log in and edit some of the stuff right from your browser, which I think is pretty awesome. Uh, I wanted to try YouTube Shorts, so I uploaded a very quick demo of me going through. Um, I think... Uh, I think if I had refreshed the screen again, it might have even auto-refreshed the names on it. To be honest, I just wanted to try out YouTube Shorts, and I don't like it. <laughs> so it just it seemed to confuse people because people are used to having full-length videos from me, and to see a one-minute-long one, I think a lot of people uh, just kind of skipped over it. I don't blame them. So unless you all uh, disagree, I think for stuff like this, I'll stick to posting on social media. Um, and I'll just keep normal length videos on YouTube. I could be wrong, though. I'm always open to suggestions, so feel free to, to comment and let me know. Um, but overall, it just it's a new feature of something that's currently evolving. There should be even more features coming, uh, and it's something that I didn't think I would ever like as much as I did. Uh, when I first got one, I know I'd already talked about this, so I'll be quick, but when I first got one, I thought, cool, now I'll update a written post for it, and I'll, I'll take some screenshots of some features, and I liked it so much. I ended up doing a full video about it. So if you think you might be in the market for one of these, check out the video. Respectfully, if you own an X station, you might want to consider this a must-have uh, just because of the different options linking per game. It's not cheap, um, but it's something that would enhance your X station experience. So for more details on exactly what features were updated or tweaked, check out the main post. Uh, check out the videos in there for more info on the MemCard Pro. And uh, let me know if, if trying YouTube Shorts was just a really dumb idea. <laughs> There is a very interesting new open source project for Commodore Amigas called the PyStorm that aims to replace the Motorola 68K processor with a Raspberry Pi and a custom interface board, which I'm just kind of fascinated that they're able to pull something like that off. They basically use a um, Altera Max 2 CPLD to interface the Raspberry Pi, which I believe three... A plus or the one they're using um, in place of the Motorola processor to get a pretty big boost in performance. And I didn't know that that was possible. I don't know if that's just my own ignorance or if based on how I've been using implementations of this stuff, I never considered that as a factor or even a choice, but it seems really cool. So definitely check out Vanessa's post for more info if you have an Amiga 500, 500 plus or 2000 series. Um, and you know we'll definitely be keeping people up to speed on this because it just seems really neat. And I'm wondering what else could be done in situations like this. Um, I could. I wonder if like adding a Raspberry Pi to a Super Nintendo cart could could emulate you know the F Super FX five chip or something and allow different graphics that way. Uh, you know, I'm obviously being a little silly, but I, I'm also really fascinated that this is even possible, and I'm very interested to see what the team does next with this and how well it's how well it's able to be implemented in different models' computers. 
Well, that's it for this time. As always, thanks to everybody who watches, listens, plays nicely in the comments, and especially thank you to everybody who supports in any way possible. Your support is what's keeping all of this stuff alive, uh, and I'm just so grateful that I get to keep doing this. So thank you all so much, and I'll see you next week.